This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3276 for Monday the 22nd of February 2021. Today's show is entitled, Deep Geek's Thoughts About HD Radio and is part of the series, Information Underground. It is hosted by Deep Geek, and is about 10 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, Clartu reads a post by Deep Geek. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. This is Klaatu. You're listening to Hacker Public Radio. A friend of mine, Deep Geek, you might know him from Hacker Public Radio, emailed me the other day and asked me if I'd be interested in reading for him on his behalf a, a script that he had written for an episode and just didn't have time to to record himself, re- record and edit. And I said yes, because um, honestly, I have a hackerpublicradio.org email address. Uh, I don't know what status I am in terms of administration, but I feel like I need to pull my own weight around here for a change. So I'm doing things like this. So here's Deep Geek's thoughts on HD radio, and from from this point on, more or less, I will read it from his perspective. My mixed feelings about HD radio. I love music, especially while I drive, and I really do love my car stereo, but I have many mixed feelings about HD radio. HD radio is American Digital FM radio. Even though it's a proprietary system, I love its capabilities. However, when the rubber hit the road, I found that it came up short. I don't want to go into whether or not we could have used one of the already existing digital radio standards here, but I'd like to concentrate instead on what digital radio could be in America and what it ended up being. Let's talk capabilities. HD radio as a technology offers many capabilities. There's hybrid mode, backward compatible analog audio with digital audio in a sub-channel, Multicasting, you can have one or more additional digital channels, as well as the main audio channel. Pure Digital offers five-channel, as opposed to stereo, two-channel, more akin to a movie theater experience. You get that kind of surround sound experience. Pure Digital also offers higher audio quality with a fallback to a lower bitrate audio quality when you're at a greater distance from the transmitter. I've listed these in, in order of how familiar they are with most users of HD radio in car receivers. Most people in America are experiencing the first two of these features, the hybrid mode and the multicasting. That is to say, the FCC has mandated hybrid mode for its backward compatibility with existing analog car radios, and most modern HD radio listeners have also probably noticed that when digital service is available, an indicator pops up on their car stereo offering three channels to choose from. HD radio commercials refer to this as the stations between the stations, or under the stations. Often, an adult pop, or as they say, triple A format in the radio industry will be on the analog and and first HD channel with a news channel or a specialty genre like smooth jazz or Christmas music on a second or third channel. Now let's talk about quality and selection. Not being a fan of triple A radio, I have had the experience of converting a car to HD radio at Best Buy with a car I've owned 
before my current one. I wanted greater variety in what I could hear while I drove around, so I did this in order to have more channels. I also got, at the same time, the ability to plug a USB thumb drive full of MP3s into the stereo. In practice, this meant that I could listen to extra channels when close to New York City, and the ability to hear pre-recorded MP3s of my favorite classical and alternative music elsewhere. What I've noticed is that quality suffered. It turns out that when in hybrid mode, which is that first one, the backwards compatible one, when when in hybrid mode, you are left with 96 kilobits per second of digital streaming. And I, there's a chart from a web page that shows the common multicasting configurations, which I'll link to in the show notes. So a common configuration is main analog content on 48 kilobits per second on channel 1, secondary audio content 48 kilobits per second on channel 2, and an additional 24 kilobits per second on channel 3. As most people who have generated their own mp3 files know, bitrate, like 48 kilobits per second, is the most important determination of audio quality. So what does a geek do when he finds himself up against the division of bitrate? Well, he creates a test file or two and encodes them in different amounts of bitrate to see what he can hear. I've noticed by doing this experiment that I can differentiate up to 128 kilobits per second. Can't really tell the difference between, say, 128 kilobits per second and 160 kilobits per second. Probably because I'm an old man, but hey, can't do anything about that. In actuality, does this really matter? Again, I'm blessed with location. Uh, at, at work, the place, that, the location that I'm often sent to, I'm in range of both a classical station in digital as well as a local analog repeater. And I did indeed find that I would rather listen to classical on the old-school analog FM rather than its 48 kilobits per second digital version. However, I don't mind listening to alternative at the lower bitrate, and I do like that same classical station through an iHeartRadio app, which plays it at 128 kilobits per second. I think it's time to concede that there needs to be an admission of, or a recognition of, what's good enough. For example, since I can't tell the difference between 128 kilobits per second and 160 kilobits per second, personally, for me, 128 kilobits per second is good enough. And while I believe that, again, good enough for me is 128 kilobits per second for classical, 48 kilobits per second for alternative, it might not be that way for other people. Let's talk about financial pressure for the media company. The media company, or the radio station, or the producer of the curated audio program, has their financial pressures to contend with. Traditional FM analog stations pay a lot in electric to broadcast, not to mention all the other costs involved, like salaries, licensing, facilities. Imagine adding to this the licensing and royalty fees of a proprietary technology and a five-digit price tag for new equipment. This cost makes stream hosting look like a stroll in the park, and we aren't talking about an unlimited bandwidth web hosting account. Just ask truly popular podcasts how quickly unlimited hosting plans get changed to a more metered approach. Stream hosting companies are a lot more cost-effective than converting to digital broadcast. So what happens is that the FM radio station adds an internet stream to their lineup. Once people all over the internet get their 128 kilobit per second stream via internet apps, some of which are pre-built into new car stereos, it may not make sense to have a digital broadcast anymore. The tendency is now that the very largest of the media companies can afford to have a digital broadcast and smaller operators have an app as their digital operation. 
If a smaller operator does modernized HD radio, the possible revenue streams from a second audio channel may be the only thing making them willing to foot the cost of the digital conversion. So why would the broadcaster decide to forego a second audio channel they could hawk just to have their primary audio channel go out with more bandwidth? Especially if they could simply tell any listener who really cares about audio quality that their web stream offers more quality than the FCC currently allows HD radio operators to deliver. Let's talk about financial pressure for the listener. On the other hand, who can afford to build a listening room for high-fidelity audio? Many people don't even know, for example, that, they're, that, that the humble compact disc has a high-tech successor called the Super Audio CD. As I've said before, I've discovered that 128 kilobits per second MP3 is good enough for me. It's also the standard that my internet radio from Ocean Digital runs over my home media server, I do have a couple of 48 megahertz FLAC files I can play back on my home computer, but as far as I can tell, I like the sound of those the same as 44.1, and would probably only listen to them if I wanted to hear a different orchestra playing a song that I like, rather than listening to them specifically for increased audio quality. As an extra treat here at the ending, I've asked a questioned internet historian Jason Scott, who made a podcast about my question, and I'll link to that in the show notes. And that's everything, folks. That's um, that's Deep Geek talking about HD radio. It's a topic that I, Klaatu, know nothing about. I've not heard HD radio as far as I know, but that's Deep Geek's thoughts about it. Maybe you have thoughts about it. Maybe you want to record an episode uh, in response to this. Who knows? The possibilities really are limitless. Unlike the bandwidth it requires to send out a digital signal from HD radio. See, I did learn something. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. <laughs> You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.